Hello, Simon Miller Pro Wrestling listeners. Thank you very much for tuning in today. And this is just a little note to apologize. No idea what happened, but the nice microphone I'm using now decided <laughs> I don't want to be recorded, even though you click record and you had waveforms and everything like that. However, my internal mic on my computer did pick me up. So I thought I don't want to screw over Brock, who is our patron guest today. And yes, his name is Brock. Best name we've had so far. So I've just had to shrug my shoulders and go ahead with it. I know it's annoying. I know it sounds crap. I know you can hear a bunch of stuff going on in the background as well. Uh, there's nothing I can do about it, but I want to apologize. I wanted to say sorry. Hopefully you can forgive me. And if you get a little bit through it and think, you know what? I can't deal with it. I understand. And next time I'll be sure to, I'll double up the recording on this microphone so it won't happen again. I blame The Fiend versus Seth Rollins at Hell in the Cell because let's face it, that ruined everything this week. Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. My name is Simon Miller and this is a pro wrestling show. What a crazy week we are having in the world of wrestling. I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted. Not even this week. Think about the last two weeks we've had. Sort of seven days ago, we were all excited about wrestling and it was a new dawn and everything was going to be great. And now here we are, no matter what day it is, and we're like, what the hell happened to WWE? Make sure you check out the YouTube live stream we did yesterday, if you haven't already, uh, to get my immediate thoughts. We will, of course, go into it again now. Uh, and also, please, massively, this is the sort of the main reason I'm able to do a couple of these a week. If you head over to patreon.com forward slash Simon Miller 316, that is how these podcasts exist. You know, everything needs funding, unfortunately, and that's how I do it through for you guys, the community. And I massively appreciate the support. And to try and give something back uh, at one of the tiers, you can actually come on the podcast. And I've already talked to him about this, so he knows I'm going to say it. But we have the best named person. No offense to anybody else that's come on the podcast before. But we have the best named person so far because my man Brock, without the K, is on the other end of the line. My man, how you doing? I'm good, Simon. And uh, thank you for having me so much. Uh Thank you to all of the great Simon Miller patrons and viewers of this podcast for uh, allowing me into their ears. Hell yeah, dude. And there'll be, there'll be one straight away that is mad that we do Patreon podcasts, but screw that guy. He listens to every single one anyway, so I don't know why he doesn't just stop listening. Uh, right, dude, we're going to get into, because I'm excited about this chat, because you've kind of, you know, you've pulled the lucky straw, because... You know, I've obviously had no a lot. Of, well, yeah, I've had a lot of feedback about the last couple of days, but really, you know, that is a that's sort of you know that's social media feedback or that's YouTube comment feedback, which hits you very hard and it hits you very fast, and you can't really cut through to actually get an idea of what people are thinking. And you know, you know, surprisingly or not, depending on how you see it, there are a few people that said, actually, Simon, no, I I liked it for X, Y, and Z. You know, I think I've made my uh, my stance on it perfectly clear. I'm slightly more. Uh, laid back about it the sub, but that's cool you know you do you but dude look you know let me in haha funny funny give me a quick 411 on your on your sort of resting past for lack of a better term but then hit me with your feelings about hell in the cell and everything that's gone on recently i mean i'm desperate to know <laughs> yeah so um the wrestling past part i am uh 23 years old right now i started watching 
wrestling right around 2006, 2007. Okay. And I, I remember it was around the time that uh, there was a storyline with uh, Rated RKO, if you remember that team. I Edge do and remember Randy them. Orton. Yeah, I liked them. They were good. And they, they were getting over the whole concerto thing. They were taking out guys like Ric Flair, and they had a rivalry with DX. And I think Triple H got injured at some point. And it was left to just Shawn Michaels. And that's what really drew me into wrestling was HBK, even in 2006 or 2007, as late into his career as he was. I was captivated by him and just the storyline that they were going with at that time. And then really going into uh, the Royal Rumble that year where he gets tossed out by Undertaker in the last uh two guys standing in the rumble. I was heartbroken, but then he ended up getting the uh, championship match against John Cena at WrestleMania. And they did some really good matches at that time, especially the one hour match they had on raw. And that's really what, yeah, yeah, that was a great match. And I love too, because it was a simple thing where they, uh, they had another match scheduled. I think it was like Randy Orton versus edge, but they just, acted like they needed to cancel it because this match would not end. So that was a nice touch. And that was that whole run is really what uh, turned uh, my wrestling viewership into a love for wrestling. Okay. That makes sense. So, yeah, I mean, that was, um, it was an interesting time. It's kind of when WWE was still trying to find their way. Uh, you know, they're, they're looking for their new Stone Cold Steve Austin still. Obviously, John Cena was about was about to rise up. Have you taken any time off since then, or have you been locked in since 2006? So I did take a little time off around probably like 2013 to 2016. And like at the time, like I just thought that I was done with wrestling altogether. But I, I kind of kept an eye on things and looked at results and all that, but I was never fully back into it. But then randomly, like it's funny the way that I got back into it because all I was looking to do was watch the old shows, like the attitude era shows and sort of, uh, watch all that stuff. So in 2016, I signed up for the network because that's where all that stuff is. So when I signed up and I'm looking at all these old attitude era shows, you know, every commercial, it was advertising the Royal rumble that year. So I was like, yeah, screw it. I'll watch it. See what's up. And that was the night, uh, Kevin Owens and Dean Ambrose had a really good last man standing match. It was, uh, AJ styles debuting in the Royal rumble. Oh, man, good times. And yeah, fr- from there, I was just like, all right, I'll give this another chance. And, now, here we are today, I, I watch every week and watch every show, including NXT and AEW. Wow. Well, that's what happens. Honestly, I think most people go through that. When you come back for your second go around and you realize the bug is there, I think you just go full in with it because you're like, okay, screw it. I clearly like this. So I may as well take it. That's exactly what I did. And then you get into the backstage, you know, backstage part of it. And then that's just that's just the end. All right, let's talk about Hell in a Cell and talk about the follow-up to Raw. Uh, now, I've talked about this a lot, but again, it's completely different when we get somebody else's opinion on it. And I don't know, man, you may think it's the best thing ever. Just give me the, yeah, just give me the highlights, man. So, like you said, and I've seen it too, that there are people that liked this. 
And I think the people that liked this are thinking in terms of the reason it was done was part of a bigger story. And I think when you think that, you're giving WWE too much credit. I I, <laughs> I, I totally agree. And I always give WWE too much credit, but I think sometimes it's just, well, it's just staring you in the face. Yeah, like, so I know this isn't exactly a hot take, but because everyone's that doesn't like it has been saying this, but really, if if you did not plan for Bray to win the title there, then you you don't have to book the match. Like, no one is sitting there with a gun to Vince's head and saying, if if you don't book this match and, and you can find a way out of it, but you have to book it. So I just felt like there was a, a disconnect there uh, with what the audience clearly wanted and what WWE wanted to do. And like, I liked the way the match was put together and until the finish, because I, I enjoyed the, story that they told with Seth Rollins having to dig down to this dark side of himself and uh, do anything he possibly can to try to keep the fiend down. And that would have been fine if in the end he failed and the fiend beat him. You know what I mean? Yeah, that dude, I'm with you. Like when I was done with my, you know, my own opinions, I always like to go out and, and see what's going down. And, you know, I was kind of surprised that people were sort of so focused on the red tin or the, I mean, there were too many curb stops. I agree with that. But yeah, was, I, I didn't like the red tin. I did. I was like, yeah, but I kind of think if, like you said, if the Fiend had won, we'd be like, meh, well, it makes no difference. You know, it, it, we got what we wanted. So sure, we can pick holes in the match. But I guess that stuff is always exaggerated further when, yeah, you have this kind of alienating finish that you can't really get your head around. And you have hit the nail on the head. I know that it's not the most... Um, yeah, everyone's saying it, but I think that in itself sums it up. It was really easy and it was really obvious, which is why even though deep down, I'm sure some of us had, yeah, but WWE did this and WWE's done that. You know, but this one, they won't do that because they would, why would they, okay, why would they even have the match to begin with? And yet they did, <laughs> which is, which is the really, really, really strange, the real strange part of it. And no, I, I agree with you. I, I certainly wasn't against the, the presentation. Maybe the red tint was a bit much now that I've seen photos from people that were live in the in the building. You have to make sure yeah, your that... audience, yeah. But otherwise, I, I agree. It felt like, you know, until the finish, it felt like Bray Wyatt was a monster and you had to get that across because I've been told that for six months. So you've got to back it up with, with a performance like that. It was just, I still don't, it, it, I think the problem is it just raises so many questions. The first we've already asked, why even do it? But then in terms of the, you know, what we saw, does that mean, you know, that's, you, you can't bury someone in a ladder and hit them with a chair and a toolbox or whatever. You know, that counts as a DQ or however you want to spin. Like it just, the whole, the whole point of any kind of story is you never want to be walking away asking questions about the legitimacy of it or the, you know, you could ask questions about well, what does it mean here? What does it mean there? For example, let's say Bray Wyatt won and you, you left with this ominous question. Well, does Seth Rollins get rematched? Does he go somewhere else? They are the type of questions that are fine. But when the types of questions are like, <laughs> I don't I don't understand, then you have you have a major you have a major issue on your hands. Yeah, the, the legitimacy of the match and that pay-per-view as a whole that just it left a terrible taste in people's mouths, especially the ones that paid to go there. And a lot of them drive out of their way 
multiple hours to get there. And then all, all they want, it was a one match card for those people. I guarantee that everyone there that went there went there because they wanted to see the fiend win. Oh, absolutely. And when you end it like that, it it's just not fair to those people. And ultimately like, and another thing that I'll touch on that also I really hated was just the visual of the fiend being tended to by medics. Yeah. I didn't get that at all. Like, come on. Like, that's not, that's not who he should be. And not at all. And ultimately, like, I don't know how many of the uh, videos you watched of the people from their live, but there were some after the show. And, like, it it made me feel bad for Seth Rollins because it's after the show when he's getting up and everyone's booing him. And I don't know, maybe he he was working it, but it looked like he was so bothered by the way that that ended. I think he's right to be bothered too, because I I am worried now that we're about to enter a Roman Reigns situation where people are so mad at what they've seen, which they were, that they have to take it out on somebody and they choose Seth Rollins because that's what they did with Roman Reigns, right? That's where it all started with the whole Daniel Bryan stuff. Roman Reigns was the guy in the way. Okay, we'll just we'll just yell at him, and from there it developed into its own thing with Seth. I think over the last few months, he has lost a bit of his momentum. He doesn't feel like the, I said this yesterday, you know, he doesn't feel like the red hot baby face that we've known him to be. His Twitter escapades didn't help him very much if you were into the online space. And now to be the guy, it gets a DQ and a hell in a cell and doesn't and stops Bray Wyatt from winning and has that kind of, you know, elicits that kind of response afterwards. And while I understand WWE not putting him on Raw because I don't really think they had an option, that still speaks volumes to the fans. Like it still sends a message of, oh, by the way, we didn't want to do this because we didn't want to get this kind of reaction that, that we feared getting. I think all of that comes together. And yeah, you, you get to a point where I, I'm intrigued to see exactly how Seth Rollins comes out the other side of this. I don't see how he can still be a babyface. Maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe I'm getting a bit ahead of myself. But yeah, I, I now think that you have to turn him heel, which is crazy. Yeah, you know, that definitely, in the logical sense of things, that definitely felt like a double turn, uh, making the Fiend face and Rollins heel. Yeah, just But I say that, and we're since we're comparing Rollins to Roman Reigns, I, I don't remember if it was last year or the year before, but when Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns had that ambulance match, and Roman <laughs> Reigns literally tried to kill this man, and everyone... And everyone thought it was a double turn, but then Roman just came out the next night and cut a baby face promo. <laughs> so no no telling with, with this company if they'll follow through with that or not. I don't know. But yeah, I, I think the Seth Rollins question is, is, is a huge one. I don't, I, pff, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm so intrigued. I'm so intrigued to see. And what does he say when he, when he comes out? Does he say, I had to burn it down? Does he say, I survived and I prevailed? People are going to crap all over that. People are going to be like, I don't want to hear that. Like, it's, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not what I want right now. I want answers, and you're just giving me catchphrases. And it is unfair and said it's not his fault. He's simply doing his job. You know, that's his job. That's what he's been paid to do. Uh, there, there's plenty of rumors out there. Who knows how how true it is? But there is, um, you know, 
you still there's, there's always fallout, right? There's always consequences. And this feels like one this feels like Raw Rumble 2016 when The Rock came out and Roman Reigns and everyone was like bullshit. It feels like we've got back to that again. And again, look what happened to Roman Reigns. Look how long it took him to sort of sort of balance back out. And you can argue he's still not there now. And if you do that to Seth Rollins, where do you, where do you go? I mean, here's my two questions for you. What do you do with Seth Rollins after this? Maybe more importantly, what do you do with the Fiend? Do we rematch them? Do we try and rehab this by having them go at it at Survivor Series or something like that? Do we just separate them and start again? I mean, what options do we actually have on the table that, w- that will make sense? So... I mean, the question you're asking me is difficult because, like, if it were up to me, The Fiend would have just won and I wouldn't have had to deal with answering this. But because <laughs> because that is the – it's always worse when you have to finish someone else's work where they left off. <laughs> so, But I think you hit the nail on the head is that I don't know what else you can do with Rollins other than turn him heel because in the actions of that match and what they did – I don't know how you can just have him go out and be the baby face and uh, call him Fiend Slayer or whatever. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> if they do that, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. It's so bad. <laughs> That'll be so beyond awful. But I, I I think you have to turn him heel. And if you do, like maybe there's a possibility that you could turn the Fiend into a mega baby face, which... I think was going to happen eventually anyway, if it wasn't already. So, and I don't know how you have that finish and not have a rematch. So I feel like there has to be a rematch. And I mean, I, it's, there's no point in saying this, but the fiend has to win. Do you think that some fans may reject that though? Do you think they may, and I'm playing devil's advocate a bit here, but do you think some people may like, no, you had your chance, screw you, that kind of situation. Like, you know, you ruined it, you ruined it. I mean, it would be the right thing to do in my eyes because, you know, you make a mistake, you try again. But do you think now fans are just going to be like, no, you know, like, I can't even think of a, of a similar a similar comparison. But do you know what I mean though? Like, because there's been so much backlash yeah. and because there's been such a, a wrench put in the works... You now have to kind of do double the effort to get back to where it was. And that's going to be really, really hard. Yeah, there's definitely a possibility that that could happen. But I feel like it's also a possibility that people could be so into the fiends that they'll forgive it if in the end the fiend holds the title up. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's difficult to judge that because... There's really no way of telling. Like, sometimes people are going to be like that. Sometimes they'll be more forgiving. So I'm not sure. But, you know, I mean, we can't go back and redo it. But I, even when the match was announced for Hell in a Cell, I, I really felt like it was too early for the Fiends. And I really think they should have built that character up more and had more victories and led into maybe a big WrestleMania match where he ultimately wins the title. But now now we're in this situation, so got to find a way out. And ultimately, maybe they'll just get separated in the draft and we'll never speak of this again. I think that's a, <laughs> I think that's a firm possibility that they will ignore that this ever happens. Well, dude, you talked about the draft. Let's get into that. I think that's a fair conversation to, uh, to jump into. Like I say, the only... What's the word I'm looking for? But the only... I, I, I say confident choices but who even knows what they're going to do however my only confident choices would be 
Roman Reigns SmackDown, Seth Rollins Raw, Charlotte Flair SmackDown, Becky Lynch Raw. Because they see them as their four main guys. They've all got the titles. You know, obviously Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch are a couple. I don't think they're going to split them up, so on and so forth. So, I mean, first of let me know if you agree. But on top of that, what do you think about the AJ Styles, the Shinsuke Nakamura's, the Kevin Owens? I mean, I'm sure Kevin Owens will stay on SmackDown, given everything he's just been through. But I would have told you that The Fiend was going to win the championship a week ago. So I don't, you know, everything's up in the air to me. But do you think that there's any musts that we need to do when it comes to the draft? Because oh, it is a big deal, this episode of SmackDown. Like, I don't think it's going to do as well as last week. Stan got The Rock, and I think The Rock counts for counts for a lot. But really, you have to, you know, you can't let that rating drop too much. They do need to build up some, you know, feverish from excitement for the for the draft. I don't necessarily think, I don't know if they're going to do that. I don't know if I'm excited about the draft. I only had one a few months ago, and that was thrown in the bin instantly. Yeah, um... The the musts that you mentioned, I thought for sure that Becky Lynch was going to lose at Hell in a Cell and then go to SmackDown with how heavily featured she's been in the advertisement since the uh, Fox move. And, I mean, it's WWE. Who knows? The, maybe they'll still draft her over there with the Raw Women's Championship somehow. But, yeah, I mean, I think all of the most of the championships need to just stay on the brand they're on. Um. As far as others, like one of the things I'd like to see happen and uh, it's like played out at this point that people say it and it never happens. But I feel like uh, we should split the new day through the draft. And I think the best way to do that would be to draft uh, Big E as a singles guy to either Raw or SmackDown and have. Kofi and Xavier stay as a tag team on the other brand. And I think we could really dive into a serious Big E character and give him a singles run and see where he can go with it. I Dude, I couldn't agree with you more. I said that recently too. I think if you want to sort of really make a splash, and make, even if in retrospect or retroactively make people, you know, take this as a big deal, that's the team that you split up. Not in a bad way, not in like, oh, you know, do a big feud. You just, you know, you just, you just do it. It's just something that happens. This is what the draft does. Like you say, Xavier and Kofi are still a team. That would be good because hopefully it means we're going to shine a bigger light on the tag team division, which is really important. I agree with you. I think the Biggie has been ready for that for a while. So we may as well move him in now as it makes sense. And also, as much as I, as I have enjoyed the New Day, it's not something that I feel has... I'm not saying there's not lifeless still in it. I'm sure they're still saying a lot of merchandise. Like you, I just think it's the right time. I just think it's the right time. I just think it makes sense. And therefore, yeah. why not? Why not use this as the as the jumping off point? Yeah, it's just like where do you really where do you really go from here with the new day? Like they've done everything as a trio that they could possibly do. So I don't really know what more you can gain by keeping all three of them together. That you wouldn't still be able to do with two of them on one show and one on another. And it's not, it's not the end. They can have a reunion at some point when they are, are on the same brand again. And maybe at that point it would feel new again. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with that more to be, 
to be honest with you. Whether or not they do that, I don't know. I, I really don't know what they're going to do. I think that's my my, my big takeaway. I mean, they could do about one of a thousand things. Is there anybody else you'd like to see move? I, I think Brock Lesnar stays on SmackDown. Obviously, you don't need to muck around with that. He's probably a guy that you could put on Raw and nobody would care. But is there anyone else you think really needs, like AJ Styles or Shinsuke Nakamura, do you think any of them needs to uh, be shuffled around? Or do you really think that WWE actually probably <laughs> doesn't care? Yeah, that's a firm possibility. I'm trying to think of guys I could see moving. Um, I mean, AJ and Shinsuke are the two mid-card champions. So I guess if they wanted to, they could move They could move AJ and the OC to SmackDown and move Shinsuke to Raw, which I don't think would be a bad move, but AJ was already on SmackDown for so long. Uh I'm not sure if they want to bring him back there. But other than that, I'm trying to think of guys I could even see. And I don't think there's any massive moves I can really think of. No, that was my. That's why I stuck with those four. I mean, I guess Rusev will stay on Raw with Bobby Lashley. Tell, talk to me about that, actually, man. <laughs> it's just popped into my head. <laughs> but I'm kind of torn on this. Like, I, I wouldn't say that I'm enjoying Rusev, Lana, and Bobby Lashley. However, so many fans always say, oh, I want more Attitude Era stuff. But this is the most Attitude Era thing they've done in ages. If you go back through the Attitude Era, it's full of bizarre stuff like this with adultery and affairs and who else. It's basically full of personal stories and then people just beat each other up. And I've said this many a time. If you actually go back through and watch a lot of the Attitude Era now, like, this is terrible. It's terrible, yeah. terrible, terrible stuff. And I, you know, this is always controversial, but I think if we cut down that extra hour from Raw, that Raw these days actually be much better. I'm not saying it as popular, clearly not, but I think in terms of a show with consistent storylines, I actually think Raw will be better. But I think that third hour kills it. But yeah, what? I'm, I mean, do you like it? Do you not like it? I've got nothing against people that enjoy so, it. I just don't really get it. So, firstly, I, I want to defend the Attitude Era guy that you talked about, the, the guys in the comments that are always talking about bringing back the Attitude Era. Yeah. The thing is that that's such a vague statement. True. Yeah, that true, I don't yeah. I, I don't know when people say bring back the attitude era, they're saying uh bring back infidelity storylines, brawn pants, <laughs> else. Dude, because at least one guy does. At least one guy means that hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> but the the other ones, I'm not I'm not because to me that's the worst part of the attitude era. But when people say, at least when I think of bringing back the Attitude Era, I don't think of that part. I think of the top guys in the main events that always were full of piss and vinegar, as they say, and just wanted to have a fight, and they all were protected and treated like superstars. So yeah. to me, that, that's what bringing back the Attitude Era actually means to me is to have more uh, legitimacy and being able to protect your top guys and having, because back then, you know, the names were the draw, whereas today the WWE logo is the draw. So that, yeah. to me, that's what that is about. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great way to put it. And that was Vince Russo's legacy, as far as I'm concerned. I know there is a lot of bad we can throw at him, <laughs> but the whole thing about every person on the roster needs to have a storyline, it was, you know, again, I always go back to this one, even yeah. if it was, are oh, we going to chop off um, Val Venus's dick? It's like, okay, it's ridiculous, 
But it was treated as a big deal. That closed an episode of Raw. I remember we had our main event and then we came to the back and Kai and Ty were dragging Val Venus into a shower or something and they were going to chop off his penis. Now, of course, that's ridiculous. And I'm not saying that, well, no, let me rephrase that. No way do I want to go back to that. But it was, yeah. it was presented as if this was a major angle. And that's kind of half the battle. If you present something as a major angle, then the fans, or at least a lot of fans, will think, oh, well, this was a major angle, right? Same as anything. If, if, if I act like I don't care about something, then you assume I don't care. If I act like I do care about something, then you think I care. Simple as. And, but that, that's kind of why I want to give the benefit of the doubt for this Rusev stuff for the time being. I'm, I don't, I'm not saying I'm into it. And I would actually be happy for us not to do this. But what I am saying is I do... You know, Rusev is mad about this. Rusev reacted by beating up Randy Orton and Baron Corbin. Let's face it, ever since he lost the US title at WrestleMania 30, that's probably the most fire I've ever seen from Rusev. It's not his fault. He hasn't been allowed to do it. So, you know, in my mind, if it ends with him just kicking Bobby Lashley's ass, and also, you know, another takeaway from that is that Bobby Lashley is actually allowed to have some character now. You know, he's, yeah. he's and again, it's not I'm not saying that this is this is this is good stuff, but I am saying there are elements in it that I think we could take away and hope that it serves Raw better going forward. Maybe I just don't like the execution. But again, I need to see where it's going to go. And I I did like that start of Raw where we cut from the intro and Rusev was just getting beaten up straight away. That really drew me in. I was like, what the hell is going on? I was like, oh, okay, we're just going. There's no mucking around. I was into that. I you know, I really, really was. Yeah, uh, you you mentioned it definitely has allowed Lashley to have any essence of a personality outside. Like, uh, like I felt bad for even Lashley when this thing first started because all I could think about was how he was brought in thinking that he's going to have this big match with Brock Lesnar and now he's saddled off with all this stuff. But I... I think that he's embraced it to the best he can. And like, I, I don't love the storyline either, but like you said, if the, if the goal at the end is to get Rusev over as this mega baby face at the end, because he beats the hell out of Bobby Lashley, uh, gets his revenge. And it's a story that people can relate to. As long as, you know, that's what happens in the end. But what I question is the motive of it, of whether the intention from WWE's point of view is to get over Rusev as this babyface star, or if it's to screw with Rusev and Lana, who are probably going to be, or possibly at least going to be leaving at some point. So if they just want to screw with them on the way out, then that just is petty and it's it won't it won't age well when we look back on it if that is what happens no you're right if it ends with Bobby Lashley just kicking everybody's ass we're like oh boy <laughs> why did we uh why did we even bother but I, I'm, I'm I'm not saying I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt I'm saying I don't even know what I'm saying anymore this week is just crazy this week I don't know what we're gonna so, do on Smackdown so go on man so my one question though is what, what do you think uh Bobby Lashley's sisters think of all this. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I thought that. Rusev should just go and sleep with all of them, right? 
that would be the that would be the natural you know the natural way to to, to get some kind of revenge i don't even know man i don't i have no idea like it's just uh, poor bobby Lassie. that would be when we go full attitude era oh, when, know, when he yeah. just when he just has all three of them at once <laughs> i just i don't understand why it's so strange to me the whole bobby Lashley situation he looks like a wwe guy i've seen what he can do in tna i know he's not kind of being used in the way that he probably should be i like him a lot and yet you know when push comes to shove we just get well whatever we're getting the moment we get that whole thing with his sisters I like the Leo mm-hmm. Rush stuff, but that had the legs cut out of it for for reasons that we know. Yeah, uh, he still he still did the poses where he pointed at his ass. Yeah, pointed at his ass, like all this bizarre. <laughs> still there. All this bizarre stuff, and you're like, what are we doing? Considering he <laughs> kind of looks like Vince McMahon's dream guy. I don't, I don't know, man. Wrestling is in a, is in a funny place. I just think it's it really. I know I've touched upon it, but it really is just the polar opposite of what we had seven days ago. You know, like everyone was so excited, and I thought you know, Raw and SmackDown were really good. And, now we kind of this feels like a raw that we would have gotten a year ago or something like that. And I, oh, I don't know. Who knows? Who 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 even knows? Let's switch it over to AEW, man. You mentioned that you're into that as well. What did you think of the debut show? But more importantly, what are they going to do this Wednesday? Obviously, they've got a pretty packed card. They've announced some pretty good matches. I guess it really comes down to the rate. What about NXT as well? It's the rate. I know that fans don't need to care about the ratings, but we do get dragged into it because it is so fascinating. You know what? Um, what do you expect from it from a guy that's obviously got into it and has seen and seen one episode? And yeah, how do you think it's going to do with the with the wider fan base? So, but my thoughts on the first show we'll get into because um, I didn't love the first show as much as everyone else did. Not to say it wasn't good, but I thought there were too many minor details that really dr- uh, drug the show down to me. Like the opening match. Uh, with Guevara and Cody was uh, possibly the best thing on TV that week. Um, that and the Adam Cole and Matt Riddle match, I think, would be neck and neck for that. And the the things that I didn't love was the Nyla Rose and Riho match. Even though both girls uh, did a great job with what they had, I felt like Nyla was just made to look like an idiot with the chairs and trying to get herself disqualified, I guess, which made no sense. And especially the big senton where she just splats onto the chairs and then yeah. loses. I, I felt like they really did her no favors in that match. And then just like the little thing in the main event where Moxley interferes and there's no disqualification and we're meant to just go on as normal and not have any explanation for that. So th- there were some minor details that I felt like they really missed out on but other than that i enjoyed it uh clearly the uh audience enjoyed it because they stayed tuned and they stayed on aew more than they did nxt but now the question becomes uh you pop that that uh good rating right out of the gate but that could largely be, be because it's their first show there's a lot of intrigue around it but now, I think this week is really a telling story because now we get to see how many of those people did AEW convince to stay with their first week. And it, it could go up, it could go down. Uh, there's always ups and downs in the ratings, right? Damn, damn uh, right there is. Damn right. <laughs> uh, so we'll have to see. And uh, NXT isn't going to take this laying down either. So they have a good uh, card of matches, I think, for Wednesday. So 
it's going to be really interesting to see where things go. Oh, yeah. No, I, I do love it. Like, I, I do love all this stuff. And I, I find it crazy we have so much wrestling to watch in a week these days. Um, you know, obviously, AEW Dark starts this week on uh, tonight, isn't it? AEW Dark, we're recording this on a Tuesday. So, you know, that's, that's not, that's not going to be anything crazy. That's just going to be like, eh, you know, you want to have some funds, have some funds. But still, I think that it's, it's it, again, it's just more content that you can choose to uh, choose to invest in should you so wish. And if you don't, then don't watch it. You know, I, I always think sort of being burned out comes down to the to the person the person watching. But yeah, I mean, especially when you talk about Tyson Fury, I guess, as well. I was about to mention the Saudi Arabia show and how that always kind of casts a black cloud over things. But yeah, I mean, actually, it would be more intriguing coming from you because obviously you're in America. I don't know if you're into boxing or not, obviously. But over here, Tyson Fury is a star, right? He does anything people will cover. It's on the BBC right now. And I know he's trying to break in America at the moment, but his last fight didn't really do as well as they were hoping. Uh, but yeah, for you, I mean, first off, you know, do you watch boxing? Second of all, do you have any idea who he is? Because I know a lot of people have no idea. So you're, for the first question, do I watch boxing? I have watched one boxing match in my life. But that's brilliant, though. For this conversation, that is great. And it was the uh, Mayweather and McGregor match. So that's not exactly a uh, boxing technical classic to really no. understand what boxing is. Yeah, but that, that match was designed to get people like your good self to watch, right? That was the whole, the whole yes. point of it. Yeah, so that makes perfect sense. So Tyson Fury, I've heard of him. I know who he is. Uh, and by know who he is, I mean I've heard his name. And know that he's a boxer. So that that's about the extent of knowledge I have for him. Um, as far as like what they're doing with him now, I thought the uh, stuff they did on SmackDown was good, where they set up the Braun and Tyson thing. But I, I felt like the Raw angle at the end kind of fell flat a bit to me because it was missing that one big physical interaction like there was so many pull-aparts but there was not that one big punch or that one big takedown like you look back at uh the perfect parallel to this was uh mayweather and big show when they did that going into wrestlemania 24 how weird i was thinking and, about that too yeah i remember that punch i thought i know what you're gonna say but I, I had something similar yeah because uh and big shows talked about it himself uh, multiple times that they knew that they had to do something big out of the gate to really get people interested in that. So Big Show told him, you know, break my nose. And Mayweather did just that. And being the uh, professional that Mayweather is, he's able to break someone's nose without permanently disfiguring them. And so it looked great. It made it look like because the other thing with that is it's different to this one because Mayweather is so much smaller than Big Show, whereas uh, Fury and Strowman, the, you know, Strowman's larger, but they're around the same height. Yeah, definitely. But I think it definitely missed that one big uh, knockout blow or that one big punch or that one big takedown or whatever to really get people wanting to see more. I, I don't feel like there was a, a hook that made me want to actually see them fight. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. And I think that is actually, I think that kind of sums it up, right? Because that's the point. It should make you want to see them fight. And obviously you're, I'm going to watch, want to want to see them fight more because I'm aware of Tyson Fury and I have some kind of, you know, relationship with him through my television screen or watching his fights or whatever. 
Whereas, yeah, you're, you're basically learning about him as a guy that you know in your sort of sphere of influence, but you don't actually care about him as a person or as a fighter. So why, it's up to WWE to put them in an angle where you can buy into that, and they clearly they didn't. What about Cain Velasquez then? I mean, does, does MMA or UFC speak differently to you, or is it exactly the same kind of situation? It's pretty much the same. I, I've dabbled in UFC, but I never really went full-fledged into it. So Cain is someone that I knew of, and I knew about him in the time that uh, Brock was in UFC. And the the way they've done this, it's uh, it's different with the involvement of Rey Mysterio, and it's pretty. Uh, I I don't know what the word is. Like I, I found it strange that that was sort of what uh, the parallel was that drew him in. But uh, like after Monday, when Brock did that uh, beatdown, or last Monday, I should say, the beatdown on Dominic and Ray, I, I remember like. The night after, I think Meltzer was already reporting that the reason that happened was to bring in Cain Velasquez. Then I was just sitting there like, well, what does Rey Mysterio have to do with Cain Velasquez? <laughs> but, that's true. <laughs> so that that's how they brought him in. And I, I felt like a lot of the people there that they because they never said here is Cain Velasquez. They had never said anything like that it was just Rey Mysterio's music hits and oh this guy that I don't know is standing next to him so I think a lot of people there and I think that's kind of where they missed with the presentation of it because I think a lot of the people there they knew Cain Velasquez by name but they didn't know what he looked like so if they if they would have had Rey Mysterio come out and introduce him somehow then I, I think that would have gotten like a bigger reaction but other than that, I mean, Brock uh, sold fear for Kane. And as we're told, Kane was the one that beat him for the UFC world title. So it would make sense that Brock would be scared of this man that legitimately beat him in a UFC fight. So I, and so I thought everything they did there after that was good. Brock's selling for that was good. And I'm definitely interested in what they're going to do because... The, the difference with uh, Kane and Brock versus uh, Fury and Strowman is that Fury and Strowman, I think, is going to be more of a uh, spectacle sort of showcase match because Fury, I mean, to my knowledge at least, has no wrestling training. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. I, I, he's probably a fan knowing of what I know of him. Yeah, but there's, there's, yeah, there's nothing there whatsoever. Yeah, so I, that's going to be more of a spectacle. And Braun, like, I don't want to say he's not a good wrestler, but he's not a like an AJ Styles or someone like that that can uh, build that sort of technical wrestling class. So he that match is going to be more of a uh, spectacle. Whereas with Kane and Brock, uh, Kane has been wrestling. I don't know how long he has. It, it seems like not a long time. He's only had a couple matches, if I'm not mistaken. But I'll be interested to see what sort of style they work, uh, what what they really do together. Are they just going to have a worked UFC match? Like that that would be interesting if they found a way to just uh, have that sort of UFC MMA sort of match, but do it in a wrestling match. I, I, that's something that I haven't really seen WWE do before. No, and the cool thing was that's what TNA did back in the day. 
when they brought in uh, Kurt Angle, they that's that's what they did. They had Kurt Angle versus Samoa Joe, and the idea was it was meant to feel like a a legit fight, like a, it was very UFC influenced. It was great. Like it was really really good. It felt different. It felt original. I remember at the time. Because I'm old, everybody being like, oh, maybe this is like a new brand of pro wrestling that we can promote. It never went anywhere, and we never did anything with it, but it certainly was exciting. At least I thought so. And yeah, I think that's what they should do. If they're not going to use the luchador version of Cain Velasquez, who apparently was very... I've only seen clips. I haven't actually seen the whole thing. Then, yeah, you've got, you got a Goldberg and uh, uh, Goldberg and Brock Lesnar, as far as I'm concerned. WrestleMania 33. High impact, quick, not mucking around. I guess the real question, Brock, is... Do you make Cain Velasquez the WWE champion? I mean, how do you feel about that? I don't think it's beyond them. I tell you, I do not think it's beyond them. I think it could happen. That, <laughs> they could they could do the same exact thing that they did with Goldberg and Brock and have Velasquez get the shock win and then build to a rematch where Brock gets the title back. They could do that same exact thing. But how would you feel about that? I, how, do you, how do you feel about an MMA guy? Coming in and his first match being the WWE champion. I mean, I, I'm i being facetious here. I'm being a bit Reddit. But do you not think that just kills the championship absolutely dead forever? So it, it definitely it definitely would damage it to me that if Kane came in with his first match and won. It definitely would. But with it being in a storyline against Brock, uh, I don't know, because the, the reason I wouldn't like that is because Brock is, and it's the same reason at the time that I didn't like when Goldberg beat him, is that Brock has been the most protected, dominant force in WWE for the past, uh, like, eight or nine years since mm-hmm. he came back. Yep. And with Goldberg, we use that to get Goldberg a big win in a shocking moment. And now if we do that with Kane, it'll be a similar sort of situation where he wins, but then, okay, well now what? He's not going to be here forever. And it just goes to the inability to create new stars rather than find someone who is already a star. Like I, there, and I, and I know they had Rollins beat Lesnar in a, very convincing way in SummerSlam, but the the tides have really turned against Seth since then. So I think we really need to build to someone that's on the roster right now that could benefit from having a a, a big win over Lesnar. And I, I don't know if like I, I think that WWE still gets drawn into this whole legitimacy arguments of well, that that guy couldn't actually beat Brock Lesnar, so let's bring in someone who actually who <laughs> we could actually see beating Brock Lesnar, like Cain Velasquez. Yeah, so yeah, that's true. But I, I think that takes away the mystique of professional wrestling. It doesn't. I, I don't need someone that could beat Lesnar in a real fight to be the one that would beat him in a wrestling match. Personally, now, I think you can suspend disbelief if you're given the right story. Who would you choose? Let's say that I give you the WWE book tomorrow and I say, dude, you can pick anybody on the WWE roster to enter in a good feud with Lesnar long term, you know, take your time with it, no rushing, and they get the proper Robert WrestleMania 36, 37, 38, whatever. Who do you choose? Because I often do this. I sit down and I, and I try and wonder. And I know it's not really a fair uh, 
still what I'm looking for. A fair, a fair thing to look at because so many of the guys on the roster probably could do a good job, but they haven't been given a chance to get into that spot, right? Because of mm. many, many reasons. Like Drew McIntyre thought when he came back, oh, they'll push him to the moon and I'll completely buy into his character. We didn't do that. So naturally as a fan, I sour on him. That's just how it works. But trying to move all that to one side, do you think there's a guy that, you know, with the right kind, you know, with the Brock Lesnar treatment or, you know, I can't talk, kind of like the, the, you know, the Bray White treatment, but, you know, with the right result at the end. Who do you yeah. see on the right? Because Bray White, I think, was in that position for a while. You know, I thought maybe at WrestleMania 37, we could build to something like Brock versus Bray, and it would actually, you know, be, be a huge draw. But in terms of what you know now, who do you think the guy on the roster is the person that should be put in that position at, outside of then going to, yeah, Cain Velasquez or Goldberg or whoever to try and have good matches with Brock? So there's two that uh, jump out, and, yeah, you know, the, the Fiend, I would love that too, but I... I feel like there's so many more questions with the fiends that I'm not ready to dive into that yet. But the two I think about, and we touched on him earlier is, uh, the, the two people I think of immediately was, uh, for one, someone we touched on earlier was Big E. If you split him and you can even have him fighting for the revenge of Kofi Kingston and his, uh, doomed title reign. And if you could do that, uh, Brock Lesnar versus Big E with uh, the like they're they're a very uh, similar sort of build because they're both not incredibly tall but they're both incredibly built so I think that would be a really fun match. I agree. Yeah, and great. the other one I think of is someone who at this point a couple months ago going into SummerSlam was the most over baby face you had on the roster, and that's Kevin Owens. And, you know, they did him no favor since then with the whole Shane McMahon and the fining and the lawyers and the defamation <laughs> lawsuit or whatever. Else the was. lawyers. But, but you can, I, I feel like if you turn Owens back into the Stone Cold-esque babyface that he was and build that into a match with Brock Lesnar, I would love to see Owens be the one that ultimately defeats Lesnar for the WWE title. Hell yeah, dude. Both very good shouts. And both ones that I would 100% be behind. I think they're guys. And I still think, even though there are asterisks along the way, I think they're both guys that kind of remain untouched at the moment. Do you know what I mean? We haven't sort of buried them into the ground completely. You know, if we, if we were going to take someone like... Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess like a Bobby Lashley. I hate to say it, but it's kind of true. Who has been in these angles, you're like, uh, I know Kevin Owens, like I say, the Shane McMahon thing wasn't great, but it didn't kill him. Even the back and forth of the New Day when he was healed in the face didn't kill him. And obviously Biggie is completely untouched by all of that because he's been protected by being in a trio. I would love to see both of those things. And I, I think there are so many good matches that Biggie especially could have that we've never had the chance to see just because, yeah, he's been doing tag team stuff, which has been fine, which has been good. I know for one that with yeah you know with everything we just talked about and ticking the right boxes, if you did that versus Brock and paid it off, I'd be super happy with the result. It's just all about getting getting the machine behind him and not doing a Seth Rollins Bray Wyatt. That's what we've learned. Don't do a Seth Rollins versus Bray Wyatt, and nine times out of ten things will probably be okay. Yeah, that should be in the WWE rule book now. We cannot we cannot <laughs> Bray Wyatt anyone anymore. Well, I tell you what is definitely in the rule book now. If you lay a ladder on someone's head and then smash them with a toolbox, and then get a hammer, that's a disqualification. This we know, you see. It's just an education. The best thing I've the, the best thing about the whole thing was the fact that he didn't get disqualified for using the big hammer, but the little hammer was too bad. Genius. Absolute genius. The best yeah. thing ever. The best thing ever. WWE is so weird. 
And I, I would like to apologise for all the people that convinced new people to sit down to, to watch Hell in the Cell, <laughs> telling them, oh, it's really, really good. And then you had to go, okay, what? <laughs> oh, you got you got to see this fiend guy. He's awesome. Yeah, and, and all the matches, there's no DQ. They're in a cell. Why did he get DQ'd? <laughs> ah, don't worry about it. Just, yeah, don't watch. You're right. Don't watch. It's not worth it. It's not worth well, it. YouTube comment guy is going to be like, oh, well, technically he wasn't disqualified. It was a match stoppage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the same thing. It is exactly the same thing. <laughs> oh, I love it. 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 Wrestling is the best. I love it when people go crazy like this. I think <laughs> the silver lining is I love having these conversations. And it's better when people are mad. It's just true. It's just true. Uh, it is. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. the social media interaction for Hell in a Cell was probably up from a lot of pay-per-views just because people wanted to tweet about how angry they were yeah no, no man I, I i couldn't i couldn't agree more I, I really really couldn't and you know you want to get mad great just try i think the only thing for me is don't get too mad do you know what i mean don't get too mad at people that disagree with you. Have conversations with them and debate and say, well, I don't necessarily see it that way, but it's the people that go, you're everything that's wrong. No, no, no. Let them enjoy what they enjoy. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, right. On that Nothing. note, we'll, we'll, we'll bring this to an end and we'll see where we get to. Uh, Brock, thanks so much again for coming on. Uh, thank you so much for your patronage to begin with. Is there anything else you want to shout out there or throw out there, be it an Instagram or Twitter? You don't have to, but I like to give people the choice. Yes, because you were so kind to allow me to do this. If uh, if anyone listening to this enjoyed this conversation, and and for whatever reason, I don't know why anyone would think this, they would think that they want to hear more from me, then I have a YouTube channel myself. It's uh, under Enhancement Talent Podcast. You can search YouTube and find that. I have reviews for uh, Raw, SmackDown, and, and, and uh, AEW, and every pay-per-view. The the nights that they are concluding, I do a either a live review or a, just a video that night or that morning. It's always up. So if you enjoyed hearing from me and you want to hear more, you can do so at Enhancement Talent Podcast. And I greatly appreciate you allowing me to uh, plug that, Simon. And You're just to uh, just to close this off, because while I was on with you, I did want to take the opportunity to. Uh, talk to you about a personal story that you helped me with. And that is all the years ago that you started doing your wrestling training and that you documented it on the what culture channel and everything throughout it. And it, at that time, like I didn't know what I was doing and I was inspired and I went to wrestling training school and I didn't stay there. I was there for, a half a year, but it was such a good experience. And ultimately it led me to what I want to do now. And that's more in the media side and the journalism side of wrestling. But uh, I, I wouldn't have gotten there without the inspiration. So I really have to thank you for that. And it's been an honor and a privilege to speak with you here. Dude, you humble the crap out of me, man. I'm sat here with a goofy smile on my face thinking this life is just nuts. Uh, that's really nice, man. Like, when I started doing all of that stuff, that it's always your hope. Like, you know, you always hope that that will be the reaction. But to actually hear that and to hear the sincerity in your voice, dude, that's very kind of you, man. I really appreciate it. And also good on you for not only giving it a go, but allowing it to lead you to where you want it to be. I think that's sometimes things that people don't do. They feel like they need to stick at something when you don't. 
you don't follow your heart, follow your brain, follow your mind, all of that stuff, dude. So good for you. And obviously, I send you nothing but all the success in the world, man. I hope you smash it. Thank you so much, Simon. And you as well. You will continue to do great things here. Thank you. Thanks, man. I'll do my best. Uh, in the meantime, though, uh, like Brock, if you want to come on the podcast, you can. Head over to patreon.com forward slash assignment of 316. All the information is up there. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at assignment at 316. I've got a YouTube channel. Search for Simon Miller. Find me. Give me a subscribe. And if you want any wrestling merchandise, it's Big Cartel. SimonMiller.BigCartel.com. All of this was sponsored by PinsAndKnuckles.com. Head over to PinsAndKnucklesMerch.com for exclusive wrestling merchandise. Otherwise, look, just enjoy your week. It's happened now. Bray Wyatt will be fine. We'll figure it out. We always do. And I will talk to you all again very, very soon. 